Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to another episode of O. Jeremiah Talks. Listen, we have a brand new episode today, and we have a guest today. Two guests, to be more specific. So when COVID hit, we decided we weren't going to have guests because it's so weird to be over Zoom and the technical problems. It's just, it just, we said none of it. Unless we got the right person that we knew well enough to where even the the boundaries of technology couldn't come between us. And there's very few people that I feel comfortable doing that with. But it just so happens that two of them are our guests today. Bryson Hatfield and Rachel Hatfield, a husband and wife from Jackson, Mississippi, that we go way back. Bryson played piano on our first album. He came with us to Parsonsfield, Maine, Portland, Maine area. And we made that album together. He is one of my closest friends, and he is a filmmaker that is embarking on a new venture. He is starting a new series on YouTube called R&B Press Play. It is somewhere between The Office and like the coolest Casey Neistat videos that you've ever seen. And we hear them go on the journey to see how he doesn't want to just make a vlog. He wants to make something new. And I love that. So coming from a guy that has no kids, watching a family grow in this cool new genre of show is a really good time. And I know I'm biased because he's one of my best friends. Uh, it, it goes beyond that, I promise. And this is a really fun conversation. We talk about creativity. We talk about um, being really bad at something as an adult in order to become good at something as an adult and how that takes a lot of courage. And, you know, we talk about the office. We talk about so many things with these amazing people. If you want more conversations like this, or if you want exclusive videos, go to our Patreon page. It is patreon.com slash ojeremiah, or just search ojeremiah in Patreon. We've released not one, not two, but four new songs over pandemic that we have not released to the public. And who knows when we will, but I do know that they are available right now on Patreon, and they are a good time, I promise. So without further ado, please enjoy this wonderful conversation with R&B Press Play. Let's go. I wanted to be you talking on the intro. I know we can get together. Yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce you to one of my closest friends on the planet, Rachel Hatfield <laughs> and his husband. <laughs> Whoa. And, what? Uh, yeah, it was terrible. Uh, so <laughs> Rachel and Bryson Hatfield, uh, the, one of my longest friends, uh, <laughs> lengthwise. Uh, <laughs> this is going terribly, like right out of the gate. <laughs> Lengthwise. Lengthwise. At least my longest friend. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It got me. It got me. I'm just glad we're staying so, factual this round. I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bryson has been one of my closest friends for almost a decade. Mm -hmm. I would say it's yeah. nearing a decade. Yeah. Uh, next year will will be ten years of friendship mm -hmm. for us. What? Yeah, because yeah. we met in 2012, right? Correct. Uh, yeah. We were playing. So some we met in 2012. <laughs> yes, our first show together. So Bryson was our piano player for years, and he recorded on our first album. Uh, he is one of my favorite musicians and one of my favorite filmmakers. Uh, we moved to Athens. You obviously couldn't play with us from Jackson, Mississippi, and since then you've become a full-time filmmaker. Mm -hmm. um, my favorite memories of you are <laughs> driving to Portland, Maine to make an album together. Uh, our first show together was in literally a goat pen. There were goats that came onto the stage and pooped on the stage while we played. I remember saying so before we started playing, make sure they don't eat any of our cables. <laughs> and I don't think they did, but it was definitely, I remember walking off stage being like, this is not it. No. <laughs> like whatever it is, this ain't it. Um, I was like, I'm never playing with that guy again. Ever. It was not legit. But uh, I remember we got paid kind of well for like that era. Yeah. 
it was enough to be like, well, that was kind of worth it. But my other favorite memories are when you started making videos, these one minute vertical videos of your family and you called that. What did you call them? Pressing play. Pressing play. So that was whenever I saw you go from my friend that plays piano to my friend that makes stories. Yeah. And, you know, it's crazy how you bring up, you know, our beginnings, because that was actually the beginnings of when I started to really take ownership of a camera. The first idea I ever had for making any sort of documentary was actually the Portland, Maine thing. And I feel so terrible about like looking back on that, I was just inexperienced and immature, but I wanted, I had a lot of aspirations to film that trip and back. And I don't know. I, th- I really do think it was just my immaturity and inexperience. Like, that's what it boils down to. It's not that I actually hate you. It's that I really <laughs> I really started to get an idea that I wanted to, to make videos whenever we started hanging out, for sure. So I think the idea of a camera making money and providing for me to have a life and a family and stuff really started around the time that we were hanging out. But I didn't take it seriously until like four years ago. Yeah, and I think, because I remember you brought a camera, you like you got the camera like really quickly right before we left, mm-hmm. and you mentioned, I want to start making videos, I want to start, I want to make documentaries, whatever. We hit the road, and we had almost no video to show for it afterwards, because when you get in the studio, our job was to make an album. Yeah. It was not to make videos, and I think for you, it was really important to define yourself as a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Because at the time, you, I, I can imagine knowing you as well as I know you, that you were probably like, I just, I, I'm a fraud trying to shoot video up here. Yes, and my main security was a piano, so I just gravitated towards mm. that for the week. And yeah, man, then that, I mean, there was a lot of really cool distractions that week too. The drummer guy who was like, oh yeah, after this session, I'm going to play like the freaking he played with Fallon yeah or, so or somebody, he, but he had like you a know, ten thousand dollar foxes now really. Yeah, he's Fleet Fox's so drummer now. I I was like, I got my camera. I'm going to film some stuff in the studio. This drummer guy literally brings a $10,000 camera just for snapping pictures. And I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> what? Right. Like, I'm not I'm not this. So I and and what's crazy is instead I focus on the piano and I'm sitting next to Sam Kassir who literally could play me underwater like every second of every day all the time. So whatever. Well, so I think it was also unrealistic of an expectation to be like, "Hey, can you show up to the studio as our videographer and our piano player?" Like yeah. that's just like a lot. Do you yeah. also, I think it's important to note and the funny one. Let's be yeah, honest. you were the funny one for sure. You um, carried a lot at that trip. Yeah, it was a lot of pressure for you to deliver. But also, <laughs> we spent all the money we had. On making an album, <laughs> yeah. you were gonna make a documentary on a whim. Mm-hmm. We needed you to show up and make an album, <laughs> right, and you right. did that. So I think you were doing. I think you did everything correctly. But when you left, when we moved, you decided. You know what? I'm gonna do the awkward. The most awkward thing an adult can do is be bad at something for a long time in order to get good at something. So you went from. I, I'm going to buy a camera, learn this in real time, and then next thing you know, you're making like legitimate videos. So tell me about what that's like when you come off the road and you want to be a filmmaker. Tell me what that's like. Rachel, I promise we're coming to you. No, no, no that's okay. <laughs> Let me just say I'm so thankful that this whole conversation just happened because for like a year I've been so – I've just been doing a lot better at – starting projects and finishing them and one of the ones that really just got away from me was that portland trip so i'm so glad we addressed that oh my gosh i feel like we can be a family again okay yeah so there's time to redeem that we can make something i don't know maine will be there maine Maine is always about it huh do you stress about it for like the last year i have been wondering if there's some sort of like i don't know lingering stench but whatever. Uh, oh, between wait, us? There's not at all. Oh. Well. I'm over it. If it makes you guys feel any better, <laughs> I didn't even know what? that, like, the camera was involved in this whole thing. So, don't worry. Mm. Mm. Yeah, because I just proposed to her before that trip. Like, a week before that trip, I proposed to Rachel. And then it's like, oh, yeah, also I'm going to leave for a week. And we're probably not going to see each other ever again. I don't know. Um, 
Especially oh. whenever we got to North Carolina and Aaron was driving, and then 18-wheeler was, I think, maybe in the same <laughs> state as us, and she almost killed us all. Okay. Yeah. So you no, know, that that sounds more accurate. <laughs> okay, back to your question. Can you can you say your question one more time so that way I can keep it on track from now on? Yeah. Why did you ruin the Portland documentary? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so um, my question is, I'm fascinated. It's one of the most admirable qualities in someone over the age of 25 or 22 or whatever is to be bad at something in order to be good at something because it's easy to be young and bad at something. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But there is this level of like, we got to put in the hours to where we can turn this into something good. Mm -hmm. Well, cause often when you're young, you don't know you're bad. Yeah. You it's easy to be Which young, charming and bad at the piano. Yes. And then one day you wake up and you freaking shred, but you were not young when you like, you were not a baby when you picked up a camera, right. you were, you were old enough to be too cool to do it. Mm -hmm. And still you said, I want to live in a world where I'm a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. If I have to build that world one tree at a time. Mm -hmm. So tell me what that was like. So I will say, yeah, I did pick up a camera a lot more seriously. Um, whenever I was like 25 um, with the intention of never putting it down. But there were, a, a few decades before that where I was I look back and I think it's pretty crazy that it took me that long to realize that it was the camera for me because um, I mean from filming people in the lobby uh, when my sister was born I was six at that time and I was filming people giving them names and then uh, fast forward my friends are coming over and I have this old handy cam and we're just putting on whatever we can find in the closet and just making these really terrible videos and then YouTube comes, and, man, I just missed it. I just missed it. So so there was a lot of potential moments for me to realize that, man, I really want to I really want to do this. Like, this is my passion, my career. Um, but the piano was so much more challenging and so much more of something that I could actually see people in my life doing it for a living, even down to the most elementary, mundane position, <laughs> this sounds bad, of like the lady, <laughs> the old lady playing the piano at my church. Like I just saw, I saw the piano a lot more um, possible for me. And whenever I started to play in, in bands, I started to see you know, my value as an asset, but I also started to like lose a lot of ownership of what I wanted to, um, just kind of like have as my own, you know? And so whenever I picked up a camera, it was, it was me trying to just do these one take videos for my friends. I wanted to be Ryan Booth so bad, so bad. Yeah. Uh, and he had at this time, this stuff called cereal box. And I had a friend who was doing kind of the same thing as me, getting out of music and getting more into, um, like, uh, teaching himself graphic design and Adobe and all that stuff. So I kind of shared some of his software and his ideas with, like, the camera to do these music videos. And, and it was, like, a year of just trying to figure out how to not make things look terrible. And for whatever reason... In Mississippi, it's really hard to conjure influence and inspiration and interpret it into something that you uh, can kind of proudly call your own. So hmm. I would be like, I'm going to make a one-take music video and just go off the idea that it's just going to be like Ryan Booth. But I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't know how to do anything with a camera. And so there's a lot of trial and error and a lot of really terrible stuff. But the whole time I had people like you around me and several others who were just like, this makes so much sense. Um, and, and I don't think it ever, ever bothered anybody. <laughs> so, so I think I was just, the path was kind of like laid out for me. And then I had cool opportunities. Like you guys would be like, Hey, you're doing this. We want to do a tiny desk submission. Will you come and film? And then I film it and we spend like half a day trying to get it right. And then you're like, everything, all the footage is so shaky. Like it's just not going to work. <laughs> and uh, there was a lot of that, but I think it was, it was, 
it was never going to fail in my mind. And, and I'm not there yet by any means, but I just know like it's never not going to be right for me to, to make videos or short films for companies and nonprofits. Yeah. What is your relationship to piano right now? I mean, I would say I play every day, every other day. Um, the other day I was how literally... How do you look at so, it, I guess? What? Like, how do you see it? Um, the piano is something that I am always going to have at my fingertips. Because I want my kids to understand the language of music. And I really want them to just, this is really basic. I want them just to be able to sit down on a piano or a guitar or hear a song and just kind of be able to go with it because they understand how to, even if they never love it or are passionate about it to the point that they want to write their own songs or do anything with it. I just want them to understand it. Um, Almost like being a bilingual family. Like, yeah, we speak English and music around here. And that's that's kind of why I want to keep it around. it that's I love that I uh what's interesting and you probably already knew this but like so I have your keyboard that you used to tour with mm-hmm. and at that point in my life I was coming to an identity crisis of like violin was my whole life and that like I literally that's the only thing I identified with the only thing and then I was like I had such a desire to like learn how to play the piano like you like I'm, I'm not just saying that like I literally like if I could I would peak if I could play like you <laughs> and so like that's what I've always wanted and I was like why don't I ever try why don't I ever like go for that anymore and it's because I always thought that people only saw me in the lane of violin and that's all I could do mm-hmm. so buying that keyboard from you was like a pivotal moment in my life as I'm sure selling it was for you mm-hmm. <laughs> Because, like, it was a moment for me where I finally accepted that I'm allowed to love all areas of music. I, ju- I don't have to just be known for the one part of it. Mm-hmm. And so that was, like, like I don't know. That was just, like, a big moment for me. And it's really cool, so cool to hear the other side of that moment. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. So I let's, get, let's fast forward to when you started posting the pressing play videos. So I, I told this the first time we tried to do this podcast, but we had we had te- technical difficulties, so we're here again. And I like you are on the top shelf of people in my life. Like I'm I'm in awe of you in so many ways, lengthwise, uh, lengthwise. Um, and I just I wanted to make sure we did you justice uh, because of the impact you've had on my life as a homie. And one of the most inspiring things about you and Rachel, this is where you come in, is. I remember the first time you told me about Rachel and it was, I met this girl named Rachel. I'm going to marry her. And it was so quick. It was so very intentional and you are not someone from, from then on when you're the guy that says first time you meet Rachel, I'm going to marry Rachel. And then you do. Everyone has to listen to everything else you say. (laughs) Because yeah. no one, no one thinks that you're like joking around. So with that same authority, you said, I'm going to be a filmmaker no matter what. I believe you because you're a man that knows what he wants. So when you started posting the pressing play videos, immediately, I was like, he found it. Yeah, there's no convincing. What's that? I don't know. That's cool. <laughs> so, Rachel, I would love if you could tell me kind of your perspective of when Bryson's love of video started coming into your life in that way. Like when you were doing the original pressing play videos and how it felt for you to be in like suddenly on camera all the time. Like how did your relationship to it feel? So... The first time, and I think if you go back on his Instagram, it's like the first or second video that he ever posted. And there's this one part where I'm like, Bryson, I need to tell you something. And he was like, okay. And he put the camera down. And I knew, like, I knew he did not turn it off because he wanted to (laughs) put it on. Like, he wanted to keep recording. And I was like, turn that off. (laughs) And I think that, like, to my core, to yeah, to my core is, like, how... I initially feel about it all is like I'm I'm such an introvert and I only want to show parts of me to certain people um and so I'm like 
turn that off or don't put that in or, you know, fill in the blank of don't. Um, but the more that the camera was just around or like he was capturing, you know, the daily things, I was like, I love this. You know, like I would look back at the footage and be like, I like who I am on camera or like, I like that you have captured this, you know? Um, and so I think definitely over time I've gotten used to it, but there's also times where I'm like, you know, I roll like, I don't want, I don't want you to film this or type of thing. Yeah. And I knew that. So we were having a a kid at the time, Rachel was pregnant and the due date was some, sometime around Thanksgiving. I knew for a fact that I wanted to document the whole birth process. Um, you know, like as soon as Rachel's like, I'm about to have a baby. I wanted to film everything. For whatever reason, I knew that wouldn't fly with her. And so to start two or three months prior of kind of having a face, uh, well, starting two to three months prior of kind of having a camera in her face, um, by the time that, you know, the baby was going to come, she'd be acclimated to it. And I think we found something really sweet in that time. And it was this like new chemistry that was undiscovered between us that happened whenever we were filming together. And, you know, she, she's good at it. She like, whenever she gets the camera, she knows where to point and what to do. And it's just something that more than anything else we can be a team in. And it's, I mean, y'all get that more than anybody. You're literally a a music duo, you know? And so this is kind of like our way we get to be a duo and we love it. Bryson, does it deflate you at all whenever she's like, no, don't do this right now. I don't want to do this right now. Does it deflate me? It destroys me, Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) Are you serious? Yeah, You're going to make it that little of a deal? (laughs) Gosh. Wait, deflate feels pretty. No, because like I have to, I'm super introverted too and I have to. Jeremiah's like, hey, do you want to like do just like a quick video today? And I'm like, um, d- hard pass. You can s- book that in my planner with me a month from now. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard being being me and being Bryce because uh, we it? we mentioned this the last time. Sorry. We are the most similar of anyone else in my life. We're soul twins. Like not soul yeah, mates. We're soul we're, twins. We are exactly soul twins, and it's <laughs> like I've learned parts about myself seeing it in you and being like, oh my gosh, Same. I do that. Same. Yeah. And I whenever Aaron does these things uh called uh Food Review Monday, I'm oh. always sweet. Oh, okay. Food Review Monday. And she comes in and she's just like, "Hey, on a whim, I thought we would start this series of where you eat food on camera and react in real time <laughs> and it, the food's ready and you're coming in here and doing it right now." And I'm like, "Uh, hell yeah, I am." And then if it was reversed, Aaron would be like, "Um, I'm thinking like 2026 we may can incorporate that into our program." <laughs> but wait, wait, it's just you literally a say, "Hey, I'm just going to I'm going to film you eating food." And you think that that's okay, Aaron? Yeah. Yes. Well, Boundaries. I don't. Here's wow. here's what's not. I don't let him chew into the microphone because that grosses me out. But like, how I, is that what you're getting from this? Okay, I just want to be accurate. I'm just trying to be accurate. But the thing is, is that like, I just, I just, uh, yeah. It also, I just noticed that like, I am definitely using your extrovertedness for my Instagram because like, that's my Instagram account, and you're in all of those videos and not me. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's just a completely different personality set. Um. So I, w- I want to I kind of want to fast forward to where we're at now with R&B press play just because I want to I want to make sure I don't miss this because it's something that I believe in so much and I want like I want to I just want to explain it so that way everything I'm about to say is set to the backdrop of R&B press play. You took the 1 minute Instagram idea and now you're making it 10 minute episodes. I would say it's somewhere between The Office and a Casey Neistat vlog. Like, it is it is something between two other things, but it's on its own plane by itself. And it's watching a family grow, learn how to be a family, learn how to be parents in real time. And it's emotional, it's hilarious, it's, it's set up like a sitcom. 
And I just, I'm in awe of it. And I, the thing, I, the thought I had the first time I was watching it, and I don't even know why I'm bringing this up other than I, I mean it. I'm very thankful we had no photographers. No, no, sorry. Let me rephrase that. I'm very thankful we did not allow photography at our wedding. Like cameras. Wait. Like cameras. Like phones. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Like I'm very thankful we did not allow people in the audience to take pictures with their cell phones. There it is. Because to me, there are certain memories that you cannot capture and do them justice. I do not want to look at myself crying as I'm about to become a husband off some crappy iPhone 4 photo because magic can't exist in that. But when I was watching last night's episode of R&B Press Play and watching you hold, Rachel, watching you hold Remy, I cried. Oh, my gosh. And I thought what a gift it was for you to have that moment forever in that way. Because it's different than an iPhone 4. There's art to it. And there is this like level of production that makes it a memory that is like cinematic and so great. Can you talk can you talk about the weird like living on screen and experiencing those moments for everybody else's benefit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so <clears throat> the timing of this isn't completely random. Uh, we've been wanting to do something like this for a while. Um, we have phones full of videos just because we video things all the time. Well, <laughs> the office left Netflix at the, end of, at the end of 2020. And a lot of my frustration with that has been <laughs> used to fuel me making these episodes 100% honest. Uh, Because there's something about putting the office on at night and just letting it go and how familiar it is. It does something for me. It just, it just makes me feel like things are predictable. Uh, I just, I know where I am and the office did a lot more for me than just be a TV show that I enjoy. And whenever that left, I really wanted to do something to supplement that void. And I think that's where the dry kind of talking head stuff comes out in in the vlog episode things. Um, Because something about that, something about seeing a situation happen and then hearing the thoughts that were going on at the same time and having all that orchestrated together with music that helps you understand what to feel or how you felt um, or, you know, framing it up with B-roll. A lot of that is really, really healthy just for me to, you know, understand moments in that way, relive moments in that way. And so moments like you're talking about with her holding him and me there, I just can't shut up in the background. I'm like, Hey friend. Oh my gosh. Like, Hey friend. Oh, Rachel, you did so good. Every bit of that. Oh. And then whenever I'm putting that together, it's just a lot of it is like, this is what I was hearing. This is what I was seeing. This is what I was thinking and feeling. And, and just to have that and to really be able to package these moments in a way that makes the most sense to me and helps them kind of be more of what I experienced them. Um, I just think that's worth other people kind of seeing it too, uh, mainly for the reason of like conviction. Like I really want people to see that and be like, oh my gosh, I want to be really focused on my wife whenever she's having our kid or like, Oh my gosh, I really want to be present whenever, you know, we're outside doing fireworks or whatever. Like every, every bit of this is like, yeah, watch what happened to us. But even more so I'm hoping that especially in the compromise of production value, like I don't care if it's an iPhone video or uh, a Sony Handycam video or from my actual camera. Quality doesn't really matter as much as the information does that it takes to just get the story there. And so I'm just hoping that, you know, there's relatable levels of it and the production isn't just like crazy, but 
also in that like you know we're really we're really involved with each other on a lot of levels and if any any of this our our connection or the things that we experience together motivates people to be more connected with each other or their spouse or whatever that's kind of the goal yeah i don't know if that answers exactly what you're saying but just the just the motives of why i started this every none of this has to do with the perks of any of it it just has to do with us documenting our life and i watched that episode um, that we posted last night four or five times thinking I'm not going to love this as much as I need to until I'm like 75 years old. And yeah. that's why it's out there right now. Mm-hmm. So I can love it better later. Um, cause right. That's my right now. Like that's so current. Um, but these yeah. are the things that we want to know and want to see. And like, you know what, you know, your parents would, kill for a video of you being born and them spending time with you the first few weeks on the planet like so yeah. I, th- I think what we're doing here is irreplaceable for us maybe a lot of people think oh this it's not really vlog or whatever i'm not going to create any sort of negative <laughs> critique because we don't have any like any critique right now <laughs> but i know that this might not be anybody's cup of tea but that doesn't matter because this is our uh we're bottling wine right now and it's so exciting mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Rachel, did you have a thing? Well, I was just going to say, like, I can even see that, um, like, when Bryson was like, it's, you know, we're going to look back on these when we're 65 or whatever and really appreciate them even more so. I think we can say that about, you know, the one minute Instagram videos is like every now and then I'll just sit on my phone on the couch and just like scroll and scroll and just watch those little short clips over and over again. Like, it's so fun. It's so fun to look back and remember, oh yeah, we were doing this or like, I'm so thankful that you captured that moment here and we can relive that memory together. And so not even, you know, 40 years from now, but I'm Mm -hmm. sure in two years we'll be like, oh my gosh, I Mm -hmm. love that video. Or like, it means so much more to me now versus what it did then. So I, I, a thought that I had while watching it, you know, we're in this culture of if you say it, everything you say online is written in cement and you can't unsay it. No matter how much you grow, no matter how much you change, no matter if you can mean something right now and then later not feel the same thing, but it doesn't matter because you said it in 2020 or whatever. And as much as of your life as being lived on screen, I wonder what it's like for you to navigate those things. I'm thinking specifically mm-hmm. in episode one when Rachel, uh, who whose first birth with Nora was a natural childbirth. And then your second birth with Remy, you used an epidural. If I mess these terms up, it's because I'm the least qualified to talk about yeah, having a say, baby. You went in so confident to that birth description and I was like, I'm very nervous. No, no, I'm sweat. <laughs> I have a lot of back sweat right now. Um, but... I know you, and I know that you've earned every opinion that you have. I know that you are educated. I know that you you think a lot about what you say before you say it. But I can imagine someone seeing that video and making all of their assumptions based on that little clip mm-hmm. forever. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that and how you navigate that? Um, I think that... There are probably some people who would watch that video and are like, no, she's wrong. (laughs) Or be offended. Yeah, or like be offended that I think epidural is better than natural birth or like I didn't feel really empowered when I had a natural birth or like, you know, I didn't think it was the greatest, most beautiful thing ever. Um, And there's other people that would probably be like, she is crazy for having a natural birth. Like epidural is the way to go. Um And I think because I had a natural birth with Nora, I was really fearful having an epidural just because there's a lot of negativity out there about it. Mm -hmm. And so because I had one, I was like, no, like I have thought so much about this topic that like, this is so true to me. Like it is like my truth that epidural really is that much better my truth. This is my truth. Um, 
<laughs> but like it is so it's true it's and true dude, words aren't always weapons either like she was literally just saying that was her experience and so yeah. if people want to take offense to that ever which i'm sure they will if they haven't already yeah. um and this is our stance on what you're saying is you decide you decide whether or not you're offended by us or our choices are our words. So if we say anything, knowing that we're not aiming to offend or get anybody excited, it's just the truth of the matter. Um, we're, we're good. Like we, I think we just understand that most of what we're going to do is very documentary and very real and not a lot of fluff and we take people into consideration in a lot of lot of ways, but one way that we definitely don't give a ton of thought to is censorship and that if I'm feeling this, I'm going to say it because mm-hmm. you, I don't have the power to offend you. You have the power to be offended, right? And so I think mm-hmm. that's kind of where we're at with it. Um, and I've thought about this too, like, you know, because, you know, we're, we're a lot different than your typical like Southern family um, with like how we talk around the house or how we um, reiterate some things. And so if at any point uh, we start to feel like that's, that's compromised or like we feel like maybe we can't be ourselves. I think that's when we're just going to kind of readjust and figure out how to do things differently because yeah, offense on somebody's end isn't going to necessarily be what, makes or breaks us because we're doing it for us ultimately yeah i love that that's so selfish no i should be i don't think so what were you about to say no no i i think that's like so helpful because i was actually talking to a friend recently that just launched like an online business of like a it's, it's like a body image campaign thing and she was talking to me about how she always makes an effort to like develop her boundaries for her business and just like go ahead and like set them up at the start of it to like know you know it just kind of sets you up for the long run right it well it prevents you from having to make a hard decision later but it also helps your mindset just like emotionally go into it and like of course I don't I don't wish for y'all that people comment ugly things on your on your YouTube channel but like the more things are seen, especially when it goes beyond friends and family, which is the hope, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Cause that's like, that's like slowly starting to happen to our podcast. And we weren't really emotionally prepared for people being offended. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really cool that y'all are already like navigating, like this is where we stand on censorship and, and people's opinions and like just having like a healthy refocus of like this is how this is how we're going to navigate that with each other because we were kind of blindsided by that and it kind of it messed me up a little bit because I just wasn't I mean you're never going to be fully prepared for what someone's going to say but um you know I just I just think that's a really cool that's a really cool practice that y'all already done I would say that you were blindsided by it oh cool as the bald guy Mm. that whenever we post ads uh, the con- Like when we launch a Facebook ad promoting a new song, I have to go in and delete all the comments making fun of the way I look. That's so crazy. Because it's like Casper the Ghost, um, Michael Stott, Moby. It's just it's hard to build a story and build a brand, build your legacy around the feelings of people that are looking for you to mess up. Mm-hmm. You just can't do it. You said all that just then, and I remembered this time that you had this picture, and you had a yellow shirt on, and I screenshot it, and I drew a little Charlie Brown squiggle, squiggle bang on it, and I yeah. sent it to you. That was just fun, yeah. man. I wasn't making fun of you, dog. You looked, no, you were so earned... clean shaven that I, it was just so sweet. You looked so cute. Well, the... <laughs> the I think, and I think, that's, I think that's the difference. I think you've earned the right... To say to whatever you want to me. Yeah, squiggle me up, my dude. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I think... <laughs> Man. So we, the podcast that Aaron's talking about... A lot of, a lot of, a lot about, of sore no, points. A, a lot of pain points being touched on this fun. podcast. Well, I, it's just, like, people... You get... Uh, how do I say this? The amount of criticism you get is the same, even if the people are already bought in or just passing through mm-hmm. and just happened upon your video. Mm-hmm. 
you can't be in control of that and you can't make all of your creative decisions based on those people. Mm-hmm. And I think you're doing a great job being bold and being yourself. Yeah, but there's such a fine line, it seems, or maybe it's broad. You, you know better than me of when maybe it's not s- straight up just harassment, like, oh, bald or whatever. But when it is like a an actual perspective or thought that maybe you should take into consideration, like how do y'all handle that? Has there been moments where somebody said something about your music that you tried to actually let influence maybe how you did certain things? Or has it always just been like encouragement is encouragement. Anything that's not is something we just don't listen to. Uh, I'm pretty selfish in the decisions that I make about music. Like if someone, like we get, I've, I've heard, I've seen comments that are like, oh, I miss the way Happy Now sounded or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish everything sounded like Happy Now. And I just don't put much stock into that because I think if you start making creative decisions based on, like, someone's impression of you, you're serving one person instead of yourself. Right. And I just don't think that that has legs. Even if they end up being right. Do you know what I mean? Like, even if you end up venturing into whatever unsolicited advice that they gave you like more unless you're asking for constructive feedback i i don't know that it's ever received really well and like oh oh thank you so much i'm gonna take that and and do that you know because yeah i think it's because you have to to always operate out of is this serving me is this Mm -hmm. am i creating this for me or am i just trying to get this Am I creating this for someone else? Yeah, and I think that it's been really healthy for me to realize that I haven't been thinking about these episodes or like sending them out to people or posting the link and saying, let me know what you think. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. that's always been a thing with me. Like, check this out, let me know, or whatever. Um, It's not that I don't care. It's just that that's not what it's for. And so that's been been really good. I I have a cardinal rule for myself that when we're playing a show, I never intro a song by saying, uh, I hope you like this one. Mm. Because that's not my goal. Right. My goal is to show you. Right. My goal is not, hey, please, please like this. And I think that that's an important thing. You know, like, every, like people say that out of like nervous energy or maybe they really think it. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that uh, catering your craft to someone is I just think that's a misstep in 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 a bunch of ways. Yeah. So let's let's talk about where we want to see R&B press play. Where do we want to see this go? What what do we have to look forward to in the next year? I'm going to be really ambitious with this. Oh, in a year? Wait. Or but <laughs> you let, I'm going to let Rachel answer oh the gosh. year. Within a year? Uh, wrong. I'm joking. Okay. I know. I'm like, um, I would love to like for it to just pop up on YouTube, you know, for like suggestions or something like that. Um, it's like, oh, you watch this. You will probably like to watch R&B Press Play also. I think that would be so fun. And like ultimately, whether that's within a year, I don't know if that's possible but we have hopes. We have high hopes, um, and that it'll grow to that. I want it to become more <laughs> sure of itself. Um, I think in a year, I, I expect it to be more distinct as an episode rather than a vlog. Um, I never want to be the vlogging family. Which we love those, yeah. and we watch a lot of those, and a lot of those. Yeah, have I watch help. the I watch vlogging families like every Saturday, every Wednesday. What's today? I, Monday. Uh, every Monday. Monday. No. <laughs> I love vlogging families. Yeah. Well, sorry. No, I just want y'all to know that like y'all have created a new like ritual in, in the Strickland apartment. Like every Sunday night we're we're like ready yeah you We've told been, me you told me 7 p.m we were we pre-gamed with we pre-gamed the first episode <laughs> made drinks yeah and waited so, and when it didn't happen i said uh bryson you said you said but we like i don't know how many how many weeks in a row we're gonna watch all of the previous episodes that might get a little lengthy but like this week we were like so ready it was 100 percent. it was 100 percent the connection i'm gonna get better about 
doing like scheduling them but this one it just man it's really tough having a newborn kid and a four-year-old and uh almost 28 year old (laughs) um and getting these things done (laughs) with all the other work um so that's a great way for those two points to collide. Like there is a lot going on in our practical life, but over the next year, I want this to better define itself as an episodic experience and something that I really admire about the office is how sporadic they can be with new storylines and developing characters but still there's this underlying sub narrative that's going to carry out. And at some point it is the narrative that you're, you know, focusing on. So there, there's ways that I want this to just stand out from a vlogging experience where we're just, everything's handheld and to more of uh, sitcom meets um, a drama. Uh, if I if I could pin it between two seasons of anything, if our show could ever be described as season four of The Office and season one of This Is Us, mm-hmm. that would be a success for us in that we know that the creative TV watching world understands what we're trying to do. Yeah. So yeah, if it, and if it's, it's also better, yeah, but it's also your real life, which yeah. is you know like they're scripted as much as. Hey, what do you want to talk about today? Mm-hmm. But it's not like, hey, do you want to like pretend like your mom like shot me? Right. Like it's right, not right. like that. Right. <laughs> right, and that's where I'm in the really ambitious realm of I want to do this so well that it it either either or it either or I want to get to the point with this that it's either going to do something for my career um, or, or something for our family. And then mm. that's big. Like that's either at some point we're monetized and we get to focus on this all the time. Um, or at some point I'm recognized in some way. Um, even if it's just an agency hopping onto it and saying, Hey, we could use this kind of production on our new documentary series coming up, you know, like, there, there are those ulterior motives, but they're so minuscule right now because I told, I told you this this morning. We went outside for the first time in like over a week and just sat there and had coffee. And um, I was like, all these episodes to me are just another brick. Um, you know, if we have 100 episodes, that's 100 bricks that make a good little well and we can start putting stuff in there, <laughs> you know, like, hmm. uh, whatever it is. Um, and right now we're not putting any, we're not putting any of our emotional stock or any of our, you know, financial burdens on this working, um, because we're just, we're just populating our channel right now. We're just getting stuff out there and we're really comfortable in that. So if it takes, you know, a few years for anything that well to hold anything, I'm okay with it. Because I love, I love, I love the whole that. experience yeah. so much anyways. Like, we laugh so much editing these things and making yeah. them. And even just from this interview about Remy coming, like, we have so many moments in there that were just stupid. They were so, oh, it was so funny. And so I'm excited to just, like, to put that out. But it's even better just living that. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's our life. And I don't know what it is, man. But we're just, we're just weird with a camera. And it's so fun. It's it's real. I think I think you're a great storyteller. I think you're a great filmmaker. But I think one of the things that you have, I think you you're very a well. You're very aware. <laughs> Sorry, because he uh, said a well earlier. <laughs> Sorry. You're very aware whenever a moment is important when you're in it, mm-hmm. because like if you if you have to look back on a moment to see the significance of it, it's almost too late. Mm. Especially whenever you are trying to tell a story for the first time. Mm. And I think when I'm watching parts one and two of Remy's birth, because those are the two episodes you have. It's part one and part two of your your new son's 
life. Yeah, if you're new to them, lucky you, you get to binge a couple episodes. Yeah, but uh, there are moments, there's one in the new episode where you're in the delivery room and you put the camera down so you can go and attend to what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yes. But the camera's still there because you know, I've got to be a dad, but I know that this is something I'm never going to want to forget. And I think that that's a superpower. Mm -hmm. That makes me want to cry. Stop, stop. (laughs) Well, we love y'all. Thank you so much for doing this, not only once, but twice. Once yeah. successfully, is, twice uh, poorly. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to that you wanna say? I mean, I, I want to make a little announcement, but before that, Rachel's got something. Uh, I don't have anything, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I really wanted to put her on the spot and see what she'd come up with. but Well, hey. I'm like already sweating, so. Anyways. <laughs> hey, but she looks good, right? This is the best looking podcast y'all have ever made. All right. Well, thanks so much for having us. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, you guys are so sweet. I've been trying to read Aaron's shirt this whole time. Okay. So the announcement is we are at the end of this week. Wait, let me reset this. This has to be good. So the announcement is after this podcast comes out, when does this podcast come out? Let me make the announcement. Wednesday. Wednesday what? The 24th. Uh, today is the 22nd, so it'd be the 24th. Okay, cool. So um, my announcement is the day after this episode airs, we are going to be posting every one-minute episode that was on our Instagram a few years ago in just one video. So I think it's like oh, that's gonna be great. 50-ish episodes all in one. So it's going to be close to an hour of just getting to hang out with us and getting to know us. Um, oh and we're excited gosh. to put that really? out. It's it's old. Yeah, it's it's older stuff, but we're putting that out. Um, this next episode is going to be really fun. It's all about Nora. Um, you're going to kind of get to know that's us cool. over the next few weeks. But I thought something fun just to do would be, hey, let's just roll out all those old episodes in one and see – who would enjoy it, you know? I love that. Um, I, for sure, because like Rachel, sometimes I go back in y'all's Instagrams and watch all of the stories as well. <laughs> or all of the old videos. It's They're so good. I show so many people uh, Nora's birth story. Yeah, we'll be at dinner with friends and be like, hey, have we talked to y'all about the Hatfields? <laughs> I'm like, and then <laughs> real quick. I'll be like, real quick, watch this baby being born. You have to. Yeah, yeah. Make eye contact with me while you watch it. I need to enjoy this. Yeah, it's 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 a problem for sure. Yeah. I, wo- I woke That's up that exciting. day. The only thing that I remember about that day, uh, I, mean, I remember a lot about it thanks to the video, but I do remember waking up that morning and thinking that I was going to dress like Kanye. <laughs> Wow. Uh, yeah, I had I had khaki okay. socks, like beige socks. I had khakis on, and then I had that beige sweater, and it was all just like skin tone. And I was like, I look so that is Kanye. so Kanye. And then my baby came. <laughs> well, and Nora's name is almost North. Oh no! Sorry, no sorry. I, <laughs> that was literally like <laughs> the only fact about Kanye that I know. I did my best. If I'm the so A was a T, it wouldn't be North. Oh, do do do. Weird. Okay, we love y'all. Oh no! Everybody, check out R and B Press Play on YouTube. Yes. Subscribe. Subscribe. Watch all the videos. Be uh, be well. Thank y'all for listening. We Thank love you. you guys. Thank you. Yeah.